You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. The early returns coming out of Philadelphia, they're the only franchise to fire a doc for a nurse. It's Wes. That was pretty good. I got to give it up. And Walker. I really like that. Yeah, that was pretty I'm ashamed good. to tell you how much I like it, but I do. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Thank you very much, Fiddy. He'll be here all week, folks. to the Wesson Walker Show. It is indeed a great day to tune in. All the great football talk that we got going. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those social medias, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Westbryant underscore 72. On Twitter and Instagram, at HTB underscore Josh and at Walker Mail. And now it is time to go to the campus corner. All right, so we talked about South Carolina a bit yesterday and for Spencer Rattler talking about if he is indeed one of the best quarterbacks in the most not ideal situation because when he lost Juice Wells, we thought that he was going to be his superstar breakout receiver. But there is a new guy in town that is absolutely lighting the college football world on fire. And I'm talking about Xavier Leggett. From the Gamecocks. Now, in 2010, Alshon Jeffrey set a record at South Carolina for the most receiving yards in the first four games of a season. 498 yards through four games. Well, Xavier Leggett, he's already out here killing it. And when you look at the numbers that he's putting up, he leads the nation in receiving yards per game at 139.0. He's got 27 catches for 556 yards. So he is well ahead of the pace of Alshon Jeffrey from 2010. And he's got three touchdowns. He's tied for 18th in the country in receptions per game at 6.8. Leads the SEC and is fourth in the country in all-purpose yards at 158.5 per game. The young man goes 6'3", 227 pounds out of Mullen, South Carolina. And when you watch this guy play, man, he's like a, I mean, he looks like a jumbo Debo Samuels, the way he plays such a physical brand of football. He goes up and gets it, and his run after the catch, man, he's not trying to go down on the first tackle. So a lot of people in South Carolina feel like that this young man at worst could be at the College Football Awards for the Belitnikov or could be bringing it home if he continues this pace because he's playing with Spencer Rattler right now. That's also on one as well. He's completing 74% of his passes, 1,242 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's sixth in the nation in passing yards per game. But is Xavier Leggett the best wide receiver that nobody's talking about? Yeah, probably, until Weston Walker did it. We're the first ones. Thank you, Wes, for bringing (laughs) his name up. But he really hit the ground running. How about nine receptions for 180 yards against North Carolina? I mean, Fiddy, you were at the game. Even when you have a couple of these weapons go down, I know a lot of people were excited about the tight end transferring from Arkansas to South Carolina. Leggett is the guy for them. Nine receptions, six, seven, five. But you see over 100 yards in three of the four games, 70 in the loss that you had, but that was on the road against Georgia. No, you're right to bring him up, give him some shine because he's playing well. And we had a texter 
not mad at us, but saying we glossed over how well Spencer Rattler is. Uh-huh. I don't think that was the point for either one of us yesterday. I think not the, at all. The point was, man, even with me legitimately questioning how good he was going to be this year, because we saw a few games, but it was at the end of last season when he really turned it on. I just was hesitant to say he was going to continue that going into this season, but he has. He's continued it plus some. Yeah, Spencer Rattler has been very good, so no disrespect at all. I did not know that this is what we were going to see. I was very reluctant to say that he was just going to pick up right where he left off, but he absolutely did. And so now it's it's not unfortunate because it's not crazy that South Carolina is 2-2 two and two right now. North Carolina is still undefeated. That offense looks very good, even without having to depend on Drake May. Their defense is better. You gave Georgia a fight in the first half. You beat Mississippi State. It, it's not like it's an awful situation, I guess. You're 2-2, two and two, and a lot of people expected it. But Spencer and Xavier Leggett, those two guys could be the catalyst and could be the foundation as to what allows South Carolina to win games going forward. Yeah, they've got a big game looming coming up going through Knoxville. We remember what they did to Tennessee last year, so Tennessee will definitely be having revenge on their mind. They got a bye week, then Florida, Missouri, and Texas A&M, so this kid is definitely going to be one to watch. Another player to watch. When we talk about the App State Mountaineers, they lost a tough one to Wyoming on the road. We talked about the win in that football game, and they held a lead up until 152 in the fourth quarter. They controlled the stats and total yardage. They had 417 to Wyoming's 208. First downs, 27 to 7. Time of possession, they doubled them up. And third down conversions, they were 10 of 19 and... Wyoming was three for 12, so you just wonder how on earth could they lose this game. Joey Aguilar threw for 200 yards. He completed passes to nine different receivers, but it wasn't good enough. And so when you look at his numbers and their two wins, he's got a touchdown to interception ratio, uh, seven to one in their two wins. Passing yards, not too gaudy, 207.5 per game. And the two losses that they've had, the number's not quite where you want them to be, obviously. Two touchdowns and two interceptions, 237.5 passing yards per game that he averages. But does it feel like at this point that the Mountaineers go as Joey Aguilar goes? I mean, yes. This game was wild at the end, though. We haven't talked a lot about the details of this one. But at the end of the first half, it was 12-7 to after a 50-yard field goal for App State. They were trading punts until all hell broke loose at the end of this game. It was 12-7 until App State returns that interception for a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And the final score, after App State scored, made it 19-7, the final score was 30-19. What? How did that happen? After it was 12-7 going into the fourth, a whole bunch of punts? Now you're at 30 to 19. Yeah, man, App State lost that one in a heartbreaker. I saw a lot of people rolling with the line. Did Wyoming just App State, App State after that? <laughs> and that's how you lose that one. Two and two now. The Mountaineers sit 0 and 2 away from home. So they're still having that home field advantage that you might expect. Yeah, Aguilar probably going as he goes. But that one was just kind of a wild case of football being crazy football at the end of even especially with the wild football being more prevalent at the college landscape. Yeah, and so when you look at the way that they play defensively and 75 of Wyoming's yards came on one play. So their defense was playing lights out, but Aguilar looks like a kid that's there to stay at the quarterback position. But we'll see as this season goes along 
uh, if they indeed go as he goes. Last thing real quickly, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't as efficient running the football. Noel, it took him 30 carries to just get 107. That guy had been a monster heading into Working that game. Yep, so a lot of carries, no touchdowns for Noel either, at least on the ground, and you're talking about him with a very inefficient 100-yard marker. So I think that really helped Wyoming stay in that game too. And so now, Walker, turning to you. It was 22-19, not 30 to, to, to 19, I apologize. But that's how it was at the very end of then Wyoming. Uh, they were able to score 22 to 19, just kind of a crazy score at the end. It's all good, man. So now when we talk about your Charlotte 49ers going back a few days, Saturday when they played the Florida Gators, a game that after Florida took care of Tennessee the way they did, did not look good for the 49ers. Coach Poggi said after their loss to Georgia State that he was going to be on the warpath, and it looks like it paid off a little bit. And I feel like with Charlotte, we talk a lot about moral victories, but they forced field goals on four of Florida's five trips to the red zone. They also got a couple of turnovers as well. They held Florida to one of nine conversions on third down. Jalen Jones was 11 of 16, 111 yards, uh, passing 65 yards, rushing, and a touchdown. And so, now I'm, I'm going to cut that 65 because this stat reads a little crazy. But 11 of 16 mm-hmm. passes for 111 yards that he had on the day. Uh, Prince Burma had a nice day with nine tackles. Uh, Yabi Oki Anoma had eight tackles, a, uh, a tackle and a half for loss and a sack as well. Demetrius Knight had eight tackles. And so their defense finished with three sacks and seven tackles for loss along with two term- turnovers. So, Walker Mel, did you feel better after this game that Charlotte's heading in the right direction, or do you still feel like that uh, Biff Pogey and the crew have a lot of work to do and maybe he's not delivering on what he said? Well, offensively they do. I I liked Biff Pogey's comments after the game with how pleased he was defensively more so. I I think Biff not wanting to give in to moral victories. He told you that they went to Gainesville wanting to win that game, but he also gave his team a lot of credit, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, because the way they performed against Georgia State, that's unacceptable. And Biff told you that. Right after the game, he was calling into question the performances of his coaches to the point where people were asking, are you going to make a change before we get to our fourth game of the season? Is it like that, Mr. Biff Pogey? It wasn't. You hold Florida to 22 points, and I think the fact that Florida had the big game the week prior and got that win against 11th-ranked Tennessee gave this close contest a little more credence. They scored more points against a top-11 team than they did against Charlotte, and they were in the swamp, Wes. So I feel it's not a great record for Charlotte football right now, no doubt about that, but you have two opponents in the Power Five, and I think they've played pretty well against two Power Five opponents, especially defensively. It's all about the offense. I don't have a lot of hope. I'm hoping that they can – I hope that they can get that rushing attack back. Maybe Ivy is someone that you can attack downfield with. Jalen Jones comes in, the two-quarterback system. You try to emphasize their strengths. But, yeah, quarterback play is going to hold them back. The offense is going to hold them back. The defense, Wes, it's going to keep them in a lot of games. Yeah, and it does because you look at this offense, only 210 total yards. They only ran for 77 yards, and we know that Biff wants to run it like he is in the Big Ten but they only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. And so when you look at that, and yes, Jalen Jones did have 65 yards rushing and a touchdown, so he was their main producer of offense. But Charlotte just looks like right now 
the offense is slightly uh, – well, not slightly. They're pretty behind the defense. Oh, it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you talk about uh, the big plays in this game, and that's what separates a lot of this stuff, Charlotte had three passing plays of 15-plus, two runs. Uh, of over 10-plus yards. So they got to find a way to be able to muster some offense. But I think some of these matchups could help them, uh, especially when they get into the heart of conference play. Some of these situations could help them and propel them to be able to get some victory. Yeah, now we're getting to the point of the schedule where I think we can have a real evaluation of Charlotte. The Georgia State game was bad. That was one where we were all feeling bad, if you were a 49er fan, for sure. But now you're past Maryland. You're past Florida. You wanted to make some noise. You didn't do it. It's a three-game losing streak. You don't want to see that happen. Well, even you do have a, a tough road game this weekend against SMU, so that one's going to be hard as well. But then you have Navy, East Carolina, FAU. It, it's not going to be all the Power 5 matchups that you have in the first quarter of the season. Last thing I'll say on offense, what's going to be tough is when you rely so much on your defense and you talk about how you're going to run the football, Darrell Robinson, a very good player when he's in the game. But when Darrell Robinson is in, I feel good about him picking up those tough yards. The offensive line isn't quite where you want it to be. And I think that's the issue. They're not atrocious, but they're not great. And I think if you're going to have that identity of playing in a phone booth defensively, being a team that can limit a Florida team to 22 points, you know, that you're going to, that's going to be your backbone. I feel like a good offensive line has to go alongside a really good defense, and they just don't have what I would call a good offensive line. I think they can be average. They can play above and below that at times, but once they get the offensive line shored up, hopefully they can gain continuity as the regular season goes on. I think we'll start to feel better about how that accents maybe a quarterback's play, whether it be Jalen running or Ivy throwing. So the offensive line, if that comes along, Wes, I'll feel a lot better about what this team can do. In the words of Deion Sanders, he said after they loss that he said you better get us now because it's not going to be like this for long and so I ask you as well when you watch Charlotte I feel like was what Pogey's doing because I felt like the defense certainly for them to go into the swamp a place I've been in seen the crowd know what it's like in there that's a nice statement for them for the defense to go in and do what they did and I do feel like Charlotte to make the connection with the Deion Sanders post game uh, quote I feel like the Charlotte is a program that I feel like you should get them now as far as teams that are on their level, as far as group of five teams. I feel like you should get them now because I really do think that Biff is going to get this program where he wants to get it. Just like a lot of first-year coaches, there's still some holes to fill. Like you said, offensive line, finding more playmakers on offense, I feel like that will come. Yeah. And so defensively, though, it looks like that they're turning the corner just a little bit. Hopefully they don't fall off. But uh, I think Charlotte, I think Coach Pogey and the crew, man, I think they're going to have this team – Looking good by the year's end. There are a lot of people that are taking victory laps on their one and three start that were against Charlotte. (laughs) They're throwing the comments in his face about him hating what the writers said at their media day, saying that they're going to finish last in the conference. And you might be able to get those jokes off right now. And and you can roll with that. This is part of what Biff Pogey's MO is. If you're going to do that, if that's going to be your personality, then he's going to have to deal with the consequences. And he knows that. I mean, he's not soft. He knows that there's going to be some criticism for him and his team after the strong words that he had at the beginning of the season. I'm just not one that expects this to continue to this point. Maryland, you were in that game until the fourth quarter. Florida, you were even still in that game. Even if Florida always looked like they were going to win, you still were in that game late in that contest. Georgia State was a complete dud. 
there's no excuse for the way the defense performed there. That, yeah, throw all the criticism you want to. Hell, he had it for himself and his coaching staff. I just don't expect that to continue as the season goes on. Yeah, and so the text that made me crack up, though, 704 number said, anybody named Biff Pogey, he spelled his name kind of funky, who dresses like Dusty Rhodes. That's what cracked me up because he does give me big Dusty Rhodes vibes and acts like a spoiled brat. Now we know they only they only asked three questions at the preseason press conference. No one's taking him seriously. I disagree, sir, but I did like the comment for the Dusty Rhodes vibes, baby. That's how he was, used to say it. He's like, baby. <laughs> so I love Dusty people Rhodes. Loved sure. his, people loved his outfit this week. We played his son's interest music uh, yesterday that uh, some people liked as well. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So that is the Campus Corner. When we come back, we go back to Pantherland, talk about the expectations for Bryce Young when he returns on Sports Radio 92.7 WFZ. things people will go to when they hear Petey Pablo, North Carolina. There are a lot of people that will think about maybe a concert they went to, maybe the layup line, because it's an anthem for sure, especially in this state. I'll always think of Willie P filming the whole Petey Pablo halftime concert at the Spectrum Center to the point where he reached his limit on filming it and then putting it on Twitter. Things like Seriously? Two minutes, 20 seconds to go, something like that. And then, yeah, he just, he was all... He was with it. Well, and, and I, I have that in common, then, I guess. We're both uh, big Petey Pablo fans. Well, I mean, it's it's great to be a Petey Pablo fan. I just remember him filming it the whole time and reaching the max level on, and putting it out on Twitter. And so that's what Fiddy was alluding to. The other conversation we were having during the break was we had it before the break. We had it before the show. Uh-oh. Well, you know, Fiddy was asking about possibly going on a double date. Oh, God. Just pitching <laughs> this idea like wait hold on what's going on and so fitty speaking of willie too you know fitty had asked willie just a hypothetical hey willie if i had a date and you know things went to a serious level how long would we have to be dating for me and my significant other to go on a double date with you and your now wife and willie said what was it fitty eight months yeah and it was like like he he had pre-thought this answer because i asked him on sunday he said it very quickly eight months <laughs> and well, even he said then, in the studio when he left that one time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. No, yeah, y'all, y'all were in here. So, yeah. He said eight months. Which is would be the longest relationship I've ever been in. All right. So if it was eight months, I mean, really? you, you asked Wes the exact same question. How long would I have to date someone for us to go on a double date? And how'd you answer it, Wes? I told him I'm here for it immediately. Right but, I told him, but then I told him, I said, you know, let's go a couple of months. Get a couple of months. Uh, and then we can uh, figure that out. Well, you said immediately, though, at first, and I thought you were with it. Yeah, if he asked me off top, I would do it. No question. I told Fiddy that I would do it, too, if you did it. So if you and your significant other go on a double date with Fiddy and somebody that, you know, just starting, you know, talk about dipping your toes in the water, just, you know, just starting to date a little bit, I would get involved as well. We could do a triple date. Yeah. So then we could go somewhere. I just don't know where we would go. And I don't know how scary that would be for your date, Fiddy. I, I don't feel like we're, I don't know if you would be nervous bringing her around us. I don't think that we would be like the scary relatives introducing a couple people in your life. How would you feel 
if we all very early went on a triple date? Uh, I mean, I'm comfortable being around you guys. I think it'd be more for her seeing uh, the full fitty. Cause like you know I I I've I've met her at church she's seen me at some functions where like she sees some of the full fitting uh-huh. but she also hasn't seen you know the degenerate side that exists oh no How I think you? I think it would be a credit if walking I came she sees that you hang around some quality upstanding men oh, <laughs> so now we're helping you yeah Wes thinks we're helping you well, do you think Fitty would be a toned down version of himself. If I, I saw it, I'd, I'd probably call it out immediately. I say, Fitty, why are you acting like that? This <laughs> <laughs> is going to blow up your spot. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, when you're in a relationship, you got to be you, man. It, it's not going to work out if you try to hide it, you know. Uh, maybe not on the first date I would do that because I know everybody likes to put on their best face for the first date. So I'd let Fitty get a couple of dates off. But then, you know, if we saw him too much down the line and he's still trying to be this subdued uh, church guy, I'd be like, Fitty, come on, man. Let's, uh, let's start to... Pull back the curtain here. I actually do want to see that. At first, I was a little reluctant. I said, all right, well, if Wes is going, then I'll go. But now I really want to go. I want to see what Fiddy is like on a first couple of dates. This would be great as well. It, how different is he going to be? That's what I want I'd to ask know. if you guys are sharing locations yet. <laughs> that's a stipulation yeah. Fitty said oh look before we date I'm going to have to get the GPS right. Wow. she seems like the type of woman though Fitty might not have to do that that's why she might be good for him I don't think just from everything I gathered so far I hope so I don't think Fitty would probably need to know her location like that except for safety reasons we do live in a, a very unsafe world in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways but for the reasons Fitty was using it before, I don't think he would need to use it for that. Uh, the answer to Smitty from the city's question on if he finally cracked the ice with a particular Sunday lunch waitress, no, that did not happen. Uh, NASCAR Brad wrote in, she hasn't seen the side of Fitty that I've seen. Mm. Oh, I could take that a couple different ways there, NASCAR <laughs> Brad. Jack asked, does Flounder know about her? Yes, Flounder does. Yeah, Flounder knows. And uh, we also have one question. Logo 704 said, oh, so she doesn't know Fiddy is a menace. No, she, uh, <laughs> she she made a comment the other day about someone using foul language. And Who, I, of us three? No, it, it wasn't show related. And I was like, well, what's the big deal? We all talk like that. And she was like. I'm sure you don't. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> she might change Fiddy though. She might have, you know, she might, she might have Fiddy out here being a, a different man. Wes, <laughs> that's not a great sign though. If she's saying, I'm sure you don't, there's a couple things that tells me one, you have done an excellent job in fooling her in a couple of different yes. ways Two, When she does get the full Fiddy menace experience, how is she going to respond? You don't do that, right, Fiddy? Ooh, All buddy. she has to do is go with him to a Carolina game, and then he won't be able to hide it even if he tries. Is If Drake May goes out there and throws three interceptions, they're down 10 to start the fourth quarter, the full Fiddy will come out. How many people has she heard you fire? She did hear that segment the other day where we were talking about how I'd fire everybody, so she did get a kick out of that. Oh, I'm sure. Well, if she likes that, then you know she'll probably like you. You fire somebody <laughs> daily. Yeah, I think you do fire yeah, somebody just about. daily. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, so we'll keep everybody updated on if the triple date experience actually comes about on the Weston Walker Show. That would be good radio. I don't care, talk sports guy. You're gonna have to wait a People little. People are eating it up now. We're go. We're, we would have to talk about that if it came about. I guess we can talk about whether we want to see Andy Dalton out there against the Minnesota Vikings or 
If we want to see Bryce Young, I know what our answer is. We've been team Bryce Young all the way through, even after Andy Dalton's performance against Seattle. Mm -hmm. Bryce Young is practicing today. Frank Reich did not reveal how much, but we do know that Bryce is practicing. That was not the case last Wednesday. That was not the case last Thursday. We eventually got confirmation that Andy Dalton would suit up. It was either late Thursday or on Friday. But Bryce Young is practicing. That's good news. Wes, if he goes out there and he plays against Minnesota at home after what Andy Dalton was able to do, high graded according to PFF, if you don't subscribe to that, just look at the traditional numbers. 360 yards, had, I believe it was one or two touchdown passes. Excuse me. You didn't have any interceptions. He played well. What kind of expectations do we have for Bryce now that we saw what can be done from Andy Dalton at QB. Yeah, I mean, as I just said a couple of minutes ago, the curtain has now been pulled back. You've got to be able to, against lesser defenses, make them pay. Now, if you're going up against a top 10 defense like you did the first two games, especially being a rookie, I get it. But when you look at Andy Dalton, what's the things that he did that people will want to see from Bryce Young? He pushed the ball down the field. When you look at throws of 20-plus yards, he was 4 of 7 for 121 yards and a touchdown. That's what people want to see, the ball going down the field. And then also on throws of 10-plus yards, uh, he was he had five completions, six completions to be exact for 80 yards. So people want to see the ball going down the field, Carolina attacking, being aggressive. Because especially at this point, you've got nothing to lose. You're 0-3, okay? Come out and unload the clip, so to speak. Let it go. Go out there and play good football. Let the chips fall how they may. I don't think at this point, especially if you're having some success, I don't think that people are going to trip too much if he makes a couple of mistakes. If you end up in yeah. this football game with 320 yards passing, two or three touchdown passes and two picks, I don't think anybody's going to take any fault with a rookie coming out there having a game like that. But just play with no limitations, no rules. That's what Andy Dalton did, man. He's a vet. He's done it all, seen it all in this league. Well, maybe not won a Super Bowl, but he's seen a lot in this league. And he played that way when he came in. I mean, offensive line in shambles. Can't block for him. Procedure penalties doesn't matter. He's out there playing uh, really good football looking like Cap Rooney from any given Sunday out there, showing the youngins how to get out there and do this thing. So hopefully Bryce picked that up and he can come in and be uh, Willie Beeman. If you look at the few <laughs> quarterback performances that we've seen against Minnesota, Baker Mayfield only threw for 173 yards, was 21 of 34. It's not the greatest completion percentage in the world, but didn't have any mistakes as far as the turnover goes, or at least throwing an interception. Threw a couple touchdown passes. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been playing well. That The first game, the, the game that launched that, it was against Minnesota. If you look at what Jalen Hurts did against Minnesota, 190 yards, one interception, but five incompletions. So a lot of completions for Jalen Hurts, even if he didn't throw a ton. He was 18 of 23 with 190, one touchdown, one interception. We all saw what Justin Herbert did. There was a turnover-worthy play that turned into a touchdown for Josh Palmer. But other than that, I mean, Herbert just shredded Minnesota. Brian what was Flores. he, 40 for 44 or something like that? <laughs> it was something crazy. I could look it up, but I know he threw for over 400 yards. He had the one turnover-worthy play. Yeah, 40 for 47. Okay. And three touchdown passes. One could have been an interception. It would have been tough, but either way, the guy shredded him. You're looking for Bryce Young to do something in the neighborhood of what Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield did. I don't think you can depend on him getting over 300 like Andy Dalton did. You can't depend on him doing what Justin Herbert did. That's one of the best QBs in all of the NFL. But it's completely reasonable to hope that Bryce Young can have either an efficient day with one interception like Jalen Hurts did against Minnesota, 
maybe you can have a Baker Mayfield day where you're 21 of 34. There's not a large, de- there's not a large uh, depth of uh, per completion there. You know, that you're just throwing within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, whatever, maybe a couple of deep plays baked in there. But you can have a better day than what you've had in the first two weeks. Against Minnesota, that can happen. Now, Justin was challenging downfield. I wonder if the blitz is going to allow Bryce Young to hang in there long enough to see something downfield. I, I, people might just be frustrated more so here, Wes, because he's got to get the football out of his hands really quickly. If we want him to get rid of the ball quicker to avoid a sack and Brian Flores ascending pressure, then this might not be the game where you see Bryce Young challenging a lot downfield. Because if he holds on to it, waiting for that route to develop, you're going to get dropped. So what I think is reasonable and what would leave people hopeful for the future for Bryce, even now and into the future, is if he has something to the tune of what Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield do or did. What Do you think those are fair expectations on the high end? Yes, no question, because this is a defense that's near the bottom. They're in the bottom six of the NFL when you talk about total yards given up per game. And a lot and of that is Justin. And it's equal opportunities. 261 a game, they're giving up passing and 120 rushing. So there's a lot of yards and points to be made on the Minnesota Vikings. They're giving up 27 a game. So there's no excuse for you not to go out there and ball. Some of those windows that weren't open against New Orleans, that weren't open against Atlanta, two of the better defenses in this league to this point, they're going to be there. So now you have to go out and play. You hear people like Wes Bryant talking about should you be thinking about a quarterback, perhaps just dreaming, just thinking, just a quick daydream about it. So that should fire you up to get out there and show people, listen, I was the number one pick for a reason. I'm going to play with house money today, and we're going to get this win. And so that's what you want to see from him. This is the worst defense that he's played against by far, and I think this is going to be a good barometer for what we've got to this point. Uh, I think Andy Dalton's certainly going to be there to help him see maybe some things that he doesn't see. But uh, DJ Chark, he looked confident out there playing well. I know Adam Thielen is going to be on one, uh, stepping out there against his old team. I mean, he's playing pretty good ball, man. You got to give up the flowers right now. Zero drops for this man. He's out there uh, getting a job done for the Panthers this year. He's got a pretty decent grade when you talk analytics. But uh, his know. last two games, he's been very good. I mean, it's the one thing that Bryce was hitting in the second game. And then week three, Andy Dalton hooked up with Adam Thielen a lot. So, yeah, he the last two games, he's been very good. Yeah. And hopefully that continues against his former team. He did say it's already feeling weird going up against Minnesota. And you're right, Wes. He might downplay it a little bit. But we know that this game's going to be more yeah, than the I mean, other contest. When he's targeted, quarterbacks have a 128.5 rating uh, throwing to Adam Thielen. So there's going to be opportunities to be had. It's just a simple matter of is Bryce going to take advantage of it? All right. And, and Andy Dalton was able to take advantage of that connection. But, and and he, real quick. Not, okay. I didn't want to cut y'all. But just people with this, that they don't want to see Bryce play behind this offensive line. When do you want to see him? What reason do you want to watch Carolina football at this point? You're 0-3. You want to see what your quarterback has, okay? So let's stop with that. I I don't want to see him play behind this line. Like, what other reason do you have at this point to watch? Look, I'm not sitting him now, but (laughs) you might be imitating me with that whiny voice you like to go to a lot. If we get to a point, yeah, man, like what good does it do for the future of your football team to throw him out there and watch him get destroyed? And, 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 I mean, it comes down to a matter, is he getting destroyed? I mean, I guess do you have a hit count. Do you have a sack count? I'm not count? there now. I'm not there now. Yeah. But if it continues, 
I was like, all right, well, we know this offensive line through nine weeks hasn't been able to protect him. He's taken anywhere from three to seven sacks per game. But good luck this time. <laughs> I don't. It's think all about would. getting a, a true evaluation and not damaging your most important asset on the team. Bryce may have a soft voice, but I think that voice would definitely get some bass if you told that man to sit out for eight games. It would certainly be. It would change like a movie. Like it would somebody cer- possess. It would certainly have an attitude. I don't know if he'll get based though. You say, "What'd you say, coach? <laughs> I don't get to play for eight games." That's what I thought. What you mean? I don't get to play for eight games? That would be scary if it changed like that. I would love it. Oh yeah, it'd be great. What possessed you? Come out and play some ball. All right. So Andy Dalton did. <laughs> Hopefully Bryce Young learned from Andy Dalton. I Thank did you, want to Jack. get to that sound bite he's a real football quickly. Player. We love it, Jack. Yep. Jack says on the text line, he's a football player. That is just a factual statement right there. All right, let's get to another statement. I want to play the soundbite. Frank Reich, he talked about how Bryce gained a lot of knowledge watching how Andy Dalton performed. Whatever was set up for Bryce to gain out of this week, I know he gained every ounce of what he could gain by watching Andy, by watching our offense, by watching our team. He was dialed in to kind of learn from that whole process. So hopefully he's able to apply that against Minnesota. All right, so Andy Dalton threw it, okay? He wasn't waiting for somebody to have five yards of separation. He threw it because there was a tight window. We know that Bryce Young has anticipation. In the preseason, J.T. O'Sullivan for QB School on Twitter was talking about how Bryce was already up there with all the other NFL QBs as far as how impressive his anticipation is. So rely on that, rely on your accuracy, and let it loose, man. I think that's what people want to see. And so uh, you made a point that I totally agree with. If he throws an interception or two, I think we're going to be more accepting of that than if he has 150 yards, no interceptions, but also taking a lot of sacks and holding on to the football Mm -hmm. for dear life. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I think so. And I think he's going to have a big game this week, man. I think this is the week where people start to get a glimpse of why he was picked where he was picked. Uh, TFB said Vikings blitz 80% of the time. They did that against. I mean, it's true. It was, it was crazy. It's not not helping them. No, it wasn't. Not against the chargers. You're susceptible to big plays there. If you have an offensive line and enough protection to pick it up, we haven't seen a lot of evidence that Carolina can do that right now. So I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of the deep shots that these other teams were able to, but if they can, then maybe just maybe we get to see Bryce young connect with DJ Chark like he did in the, in the off season. We saw it. Mm-hmm. We synced it in the <laughs> off season. He hooked up with DJ Chark. Hopefully he can in this game against Minnesota. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? Don't know if you guys saw it on your Twitter timeline or not, but Michigan State has officially fired Mel Tucker. In a statement released by the university for, quote, his admitted and undisputed behaviors which have brought public disrespect, contempt, and ridicule upon the university and constitute a material breach of his agreement and moral turpitude. I've never never heard that word before in my life, if I'm being completely honest with you guys. It's a Maryland word, turpitude. Wow. Um, (laughs) I think we kind of all knew whenever... What came out with him was was this was going to be the end result. What was it, Vinny? Was it? <laughs> I'm sorry. <go> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I mean, a, a quick fall from grace. A guy that won 11 games his first year was the hot commodity, signed a record contract, and less than two years later, he's uh, 
He's unemployed, man. Okay. Yeah, huge downfall for Mel Tucker. And this was something that was pretty easy to see coming for Mel Tucker and the fact that he was not going to have a job there much longer. Yeah, Kenneth Walker got him that deal in the first place, to be frank. But once it came out, too, that he was capping to the investigators and his story wasn't adding up at all, like I said, good riddance to him. He really blew it. Uh, he shouldn't be doing that to women in the first place. But uh, $90 million down the drain. All right, let's go to Visit to the Mound. We skipped it yesterday. We need to hit it today. Visit to the Mound with Fitty coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just past the halfway point of a War Cry Wednesday. War Cry Wednesday, by the way, brought to you by wellnessactionrecovery.org, Mama Bryant's non-for-profit foundation. Yes. Continuing to raise importance of mental health through education, you can live a productive and healthy lifestyle with a mental health condition. Go visit wellnessactionrecovery.org. So now we got a little more meaning behind War Cry Wednesday. Yeah. And that's the point of this day. It's supposed to make you feel good right from the rip. Starting at 12 o'clock, Fiddy didn't bring the energy as much as we wanted, so we made him do it again, and now he's in a great mood. I feel like we brought the good mood to Fitty today. I think we did, too. Once you let that war cry out, man, you're ready to go. Because it was a little lackluster. We said, no, 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 we're going to have to do that again. Yeah. And now he's been glowing, talking about going on a triple date That's with what us. I'm saying, yeah, man. And it's like, you know, you got a lot to be happy about. Your teams might not be doing great, but, uh, you know, you got might have a little bit of uh, good vibes with the ladies going for you. So, you yeah, know, I think you should be a little pepped up today. I could see the good vibes yeah, just pepping your step. radiating off of you, Fitty. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you feel? <laughs> Got to be honest with you guys. I'd, I'd trade the good vibes away to have a 3-0 and football team or a baseball team oh, man. in the postseason. I hope she didn't hear All right, that. so we're not going down this road. Let's go to the <laughs> first. might have killed the vibe. It did. All right, let's go to a visit to the mound <laughs> where I guess we are going to talk about someone passing away. That's great. That's great. All the good vibes are ruined. Hit it, Fitty. Visit to the mound. All right, so yeah, we do have to start this visit to the mound on a sad note, but we're going to take some time to appreciate the greatness that Brooks Robinson played third base for the Baltimore Orioles with for his entire career. He did pass away yesterday. Um, and really the baseball community, if, if you if you follow a lot of baseball people on Twitter, were really mourning uh, his passing because of what he meant, of course, on the diamond and then uh, what he meant to that Baltimore community off of it. I, I, heard, I think we heard something in one of our CBS Sports updates where he was so popular in the 60s and the 70s that a lot of people named their kids Brooks and when they were having uh, having their children because of the impact he had on that community. And I said he was regarded as the best defensive third baseman of all time, and the 16 gold gloves would really uh, back that statement up. An 18-time All-Star, 
was a World Series MVP, a All-Star Game MVP. Virtually there was nothing in baseball this guy did not accomplish. This one's a real loss for the baseball community. There's no doubt about it. How about four times finishing in the top five in the MVP race? Mr. Oreo. He did win the MVP award in 1964. Lou Gehrig is known as the Iron Man. Brooke Robinson also played a ton of games throughout his MLB career. How about playing at least 140 contests from 1960 to 1975, okay? At least 140 games. So the Iron Man, very strong with one Brooks Robinson. I know some people from Baltimore. I know that community a little bit. They worship Brooks Robinson and even a Jim Palmer. But Brooks especially, absolutely love what he did for that franchise. 16 consecutive gold gloves. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, wild. I don't know if I'm missing anybody. Keith Hernandez had 10. I don't know if there's anybody that really comes close to being the best defensive third baseman of all time. Greg Maddox is the only person that has more gold gloves than him. So Greg Maddox, known as the best defensive pitcher ever, yeah. once the ball was in play, and even you know without it, whatever. Brooks Robinson is that dude. And you know what? Here's another thing just real quick, quickly about Brooks. You know how people... They shrug off the importance of the Willie Mays over the shoulder catch in center field. It's an amazing catch. I think a lot of people put the significance on it being among the first of its kind. The play, if you know enough about baseball, the play that you mentioned when talking about Brooks Robinson going into foul territory after it does, you know, so ball gets hit past third base, starts, he goes into foul territory, yeah. throws it with all momentum going towards the left field wall. Out. Despite having all the momentum, he throws it and throws even if there's a one hopper. That one holds up in 2023. I was looking at some of the highlights that like baseball Twitter just put out there yesterday. He was to that generation what Nolan Arenado yeah. is to this generation, who is today considered the best defensive third baseman in the game. He was doing some nutso stuff. Yeah, there, there's some stuff that, that hits a little different if you care about baseball history, which is treasured. I remember Stan Musial when he passed away. A lot of people got into some kind of feel. Brooks Robinson is that. To hear Jim Palmer's eulogy about Brooks Robinson is really special. I highly advise people to go check that out. RIP to what is a baseball giant, as you write, yeah. despite playing for the Orioles. And the last thing, too, his uh, statue is of him throwing out a runner. You know, most guys it's that play that I'm talking about. something like that, man. So that's pretty cool as well. You know you played some defense when that's your statue. As a depressed Mets fan, I think I've done a great job talking about the success the Braves have had so far this year. They're seven home runs shy of tying or, or setting a new home run record for a club in a regular season. And a big reason why is Ronald Acuna Jr., who's put together a 40-40 season. He's belted 40 home runs, and he's, still, he's stolen over 40 bags. But he's stolen more than 40 bases. He has stolen 68 bases. He has a chance to, to, to steal 70 bags before the regular season comes to an end. And I know I made light of the new the clock rules and the throwover rules. Stealing in baseball is at an all-time high. I mean, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, has stolen bases this year. So it's not necessarily the stolen art that it used to be. But 68 is still a tremendous number. And the fact that he is still not the runaway favorite to be the MVP because of Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and even his teammate Matt Olson playing into this uh, conversation is ridiculous. But 70 stolen bases? Like, if that happens, that's that's an all-time number in a sport that lives by all-time numbers. Biddy, what would you say as far as the reason for stolen bases being up so much? 
I mean, you can only throw over three times. And if you don't, on the third time, if you don't get them out, it's a, they, they get the automatic base. You got a pitch timer, so it's easier to time up when you want to steal the bag. Well, and pretty much the end-all, be-all is the bases are bigger. And the bases are bigger, so it's a shorter mm. distance. So that's the thing, and I think that's why people are finding for you to be able to run a little bit more. And this is what we want. We want more action in baseball, in a game where analytics produced a product that resulted so much on strikeouts and the long ball it means the baseball was not in play nearly as much to have some excitement as far as stealing more bags goes this is great and i'm glad that he's going so overboard on the stolen bases because i think it gets rid of the doubt on a 40 40 season that is only emphasized by the bigger bases right if you steal 70 <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and say you could have stolen 40 if they were the original size that they have been for the past however many years so the fact that you're overshooting it if you would have gotten maybe 45 maybe we question this a little bit more but he's leaving no room for doubt you hit 40 bombs that's still the same it still carries I mean, the same killing. weight yeah what, what a great season for him and i'm glad he's getting ready any of the doubt that some haters might bring to the table oh the bases are bigger you can only throw up nah man this is legit what he's doing is special it is he's not the only one having fun a part of that braves uh, organization brandon gauden their play-by-play man <laughs> the guy that our show actually brought him on after he got the gig to really congratulate him and he's done a fantastic job in the booth well last night there was uh there were some changes going on on the diamond and here was the way uh, he described it on valley sports south so the Braves will go from Johnson to Hand, and the batter will be Mastroboni. And it's probably a good thing Jeff Francoeur is in the other booth. <laughs> when I tell you guys, Mag didn't know about this till this morning. I was sitting in the side studio with Chris Lance McLean. He laughed his ass off for 15 minutes. What a great call. That is... And it, so what's great Gold. is that you you subtly mentioned something to the point where everybody knows that you get it. You don't have to set up camp there. You don't have to laugh about it. You can professionally acknowledge how funny this is. And then you have a nice little elbow to your partner in Jeff Francoeur. And then you move on perfectly played by what is an excellent play-by-play -play announcer and Brandon Gauden. That'll do it for a great visit to the mound. We'll move on to the last hour. It's the live wire. You want more fitty? I'm going to give them to you anyway. It's Fitty coming up next with the Livewire, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.